Welcome back to Pinpoint History, everyone. I know I've been gone for a bit. I was attempting to do something a bit unorthodox, but I ended up struggling to accomplish it. And at the same time, I didn't want to pause the narrative. I've hardly even begun. So I'm back with a new episode, and I promise to be consistent for at least the next five episodes. And now that I've said it, I've got to do it. So. When we were all last together, we talked about Alexander and Philip a little bit and touched on the origins of the kingdom of Macedonia. This brings us to today to talk about the birth of Philip and his life until he became king. So let us begin. Philip II was born in 382 BCE. His father was the king of Macedonia, Amenitus III, and his mother, Eurydice, the queen. When Philip was born, it was doubtful that he would ever become king. His father was still relatively young at 38 years old, and further still, Philip had two older brothers. His eldest brother, Alexander, and no, not that Alexander, was at least five or six years older than Philip, and his second brother, Perdiccas, was at least two years older. Amenitus III ruled over a Macedonia that had seen regicide for the past 50 years with at least five kings being assassinated. The constant assassinations had destabilized the kingdom of Macedonia, and as a result, it became easy for the neighboring powers to bully and influence the Macedonians however they liked. In 393 BCE, early in his reign, Amenitis III was driven out by the neighboring Illyrians, backing another Argeid claimant to the throne, a man named Margaeus. Amenitus III escaped, and a year later, with the aid of Thessaly, was able to retake his throne. Amenitus ruled from 392 until he died in 370. Despite ruling for 22 years, Amenitus was only 50 years old when he died, leaving his eldest son Alexander to inherit the throne. Alexander was a young man when he became king. Despite his youth, he was old enough to rule in his own right maybe 18 or 19 years old. However, the start of a new regime was a period of instability, and Alexander was forced on the defensive right away. Alexander faced a two-pronged invasion from two different enemies at once, the Illyrians and from a Macedonian pretender named Pausanias. It is assumed that Alexander paid off the Illyrians to get them off his back, and the Illyrians, opting for the easy payday, decided to leave for now. This left the other problem facing Alexander, the pretender Pausanias. Pausanias was able to snag some cities quickly and began to get closer to the city of Pella, where one of the royal palaces was based. The queen mother, Eurydice, was in Pella alongside her two other sons, Perdiccas and Philip. Alexander was able to enlist aid from the Athenians, who helped push Pausanias out. Pausanias was defeated, but not dead, and we'll hear from again. The initial crisis out of the way, Alexander having managed to weather the storm, he set his sights on some outward action. Alexander's following significant action was to get involved in a civil war in Thessaly. Aiding a prominent family from Thessaly, Alexander captured Larissa, one of the eminent cities in the area, along with several other cities. Feeling pretty confident about himself, 
Alexander installed Macedonian garrisons in the captured cities. This was a big no-no, and it caused Thebes, who were the big dogs in Greece at the time. This encroached on the Theban hegemony, so Thebes retaliated against the young king's actions. Thebes sent a force pushing Alexander out of Thessaly. They meddled with Macedonian internal politics. And lastly, they forced Alexander to send hostages to live in Thebes. Now, despite calling them hostages, it wasn't all bad. The hostages were 50 youths of the Macedonian aristocracy, and among those 50 boys was the youngest brother of Alexander, Philip. Essentially, being a hostage was like going off to boarding school in a sense. The young boys and teens would be placed amongst the Theban nobility, they would continue their studies with the tutors of the area, and they would participate in the gymnasium activities. These activities include track and field events, essentially, sprinting, long jump, discus, shot put. They even focused on boxing and wrestling. It was just ways for the young nobility to learn the traits of the aristocracy while forming bongs amongst each other to form the next generations of leaders. At this point in his life, Philip would have been around 13 to 14 years old, which makes it around the year 368 BCE. But we'll get back to Philip in a moment. In 367 BCE, Alexander II was assassinated at a religious festival. The assassination was instigated by a man named Ptolemy of Alaris. The ancient sources, Justin and Diodorus Siculus, claim that Ptolemy may have been another son of Amyntas III. This may have been possible as Amyntas had two wives and three other sons. Adrian Goldsworthy also speculates that Ptolemy could have been another Argeid dynasty family member waiting in the wings for his time to strike. Ptolemy chose a good time. With Alexander dead, Philip and Thebes, all that was left was the middle child Perdiccas. Perdiccas may have been between 15 and 16, and thus was considered too young to rule independently. Ptolemy would usurp power by making himself Perdiccas' regent. Alas, poor Ptolemy was not well liked by the aristocrats, and certainly not by Perdiccas. In only two short years, Perdiccas attained his majority and had Ptolemy executed. I personally like to picture a dramatic recreation of this moment, where Perdiccas comes up to Ptolemy and says, Hello, my name is Perdiccas. You killed my brother. Not prepared to die. If Maddie Pattenkin is listening to this, please, I beg you, recreate this scene. <laughs> so now, in 365 BCE, Perdiccas was king. And in 364 BCE, Philip returned to Macedonia. This conveniently brings us back to Philip. So, what did Philip do while he was in Thebes? Well, like I said earlier, he continued his education mainly, and due to his illustrious status as brother of the king of Macedonia, he was placed in the household of a man named Pamines, one of the more famous generals in Thebes at the time. Pamines was also close friends with Epimondas, the foremost general of his time. He defeated the Spartans in 371, breaking the Spartan hegemony and making Thebes the premier power. And another man named Pelopidas, another famous general. Allegedly, 
Philip was an Aeromenos to Pelopidas. Well, you're gonna go, what does that mean? Well, well, it means he was having sexual relationships with Pelopidas, and he was the bottom. We can't really verify the truthfulness of this claim, but I'm just throwing it out there. We do know that later in Philip's life, he would take on many lovers, some of whom were male. And perhaps now, the bigger point of speculation is what did Philip learn militarily from living in Pamine's household? Living with Pamines, he would have been exposed to many discussions of military doctrine and tactics and the like. Pamonondas and Pelopidas often coming to Pamine's place for dinner, drinks, the standard symposium affair. Some speculate that it was here Philip listened and learnt as a way to explain his later successes on the battlefield. Like I said earlier, Philip would have spent his days learning from excellent tutors and being physically active in the gymnasium. Philip is also alleged to have watched the training of the Sacred Band of Thebes, a group of 300 semi-professional soldiers. The Sacred Brand was the elite core of the Theban armed forces, and are said to have been lovers as well. 300 fighters and 150 couples. The origin of the Sacred Band was said to have all been lovers as they would fight harder to keep their lovers alive, and they would be less likely to flee as to not shame their partner and lover as we'll see later in the story. So this brings us back to 364 BCE. Thebes released Philip back to Macedonia as a gesture of goodwill, and probably because Philip was getting a bit too old for Pelopidas' taste. When Philip returned, he was roughly 17 years old. His brother Perdiccas gave Philip a contingent of soldiers and placed him in the east of Macedonia to repel invaders from Thrace most likely. Again, in Adrian Goldworthy's book, Philip and Alexander, he muses about Perdiccas' reception to his brother. Perdiccas had a young son at this time, and Philip may have been hostile towards his brother and nephew. There was also friction due to their personality types, as Perdiccas was prone to intellectual discussions mainly, and while all aristocracy, including the royal family, are educated in the arts and philosophy, Perdiccas was nerdy in the extreme. So we don't really know if Philip's placement in the east was Perdiccas trusting him to help stabilize the borders, or a convenient method of keeping Philip away from the capital. In 359 BCE, a tribe of Dardanians led by a tough old goat named Bardilus, who was supposedly in his 90s, and that's pretty old even now, imagine that back then. This old king had managed to unite the various Illyrian tribes under him and decided to invade Upper Macedonia. Upper Macedonia at times had been part of the Kingdom of Macedonia when the kingdom was at its full strength, or in more recent times when it aligned with their interests, at other times siding with the Illyrians, like they currently had with Bardilus. Perdiccas, probably hearing that I called him a nerd, decided to add a bit of luster to his record and raised a large force and marched out to meet the Illyrians. Before Perdiccas left, he named Philip as regent to his four- or five-year-old son, also named Amenitus. Perdiccas marched out and met the Illyrians in open battle, and the result was a catastrophic loss for the Macedonians. Perdiccas was killed in battle, and 4,000 Macedonian soldiers were also killed, 
huge number of fatalities. This left Perdiccas's son, Amenitus, now Amenitus IV, as king, with Philip as his regent. Perdiccas's death left the kingdom of Macedonia in a vulnerable position once again. Rival claimants to the throne once again began to appear out of the woodwork. The victorious Illyrians also plundered the vulnerable Macedonian settlements, taking whatever they wanted. To make matters worse, Philip, now in the capital, the eastern regions that he had been sent to defend when he returned to Macedonia were also being invaded. Things were not looking good for Macedonia, and the kingdom seemed poised to collapse. Philip, acting as regent, would have his work cut out for him. So, we'll leave Philip and the Macedonians here for now. I know this is a bit of a shorter episode, but I'm just, you know, getting back into the swing of things. Promise next week and the weeks after I'll come out a swinging. If you like what you heard, please give this episode a five-star rating wherever you're listening to it. Follow me on Instagram at pinpoint underscore history. And I've also started uploading the podcast on YouTube as well. And last but not least, if you have any questions about what you heard, you can now email me at thepinpointhistory at gmail.com. And I'll include your question in the next episode and answer it. I'll see you all next week and let's get it.